You are listening to the Shot Caller Podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. You can find us online at uh, Casey Diaz Author on Facebook, uh, The Shot Caller Book on Instagram, and on Twitter at The Shot Caller BK. That's at The Shot Caller BK. You can also find us at CaseyDiaz.net and send an email to info at CaseyDiaz.net. That's info at CaseyDiaz.net. Welcome to the Shot Caller Podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. Casey, how are you? Pretty good, man. You know, uh, it's it's a great Thursday. I think it's Thursday. I keep losing my <laughs> week. Yeah, uh, just the yeah. other day, I, I I think I was talking to somebody else, and I said, "Well, you know, it's it, it's Tuesday," and they kind of looked at me like, "No, it's uh, not Tuesday at all." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I'm good, man. Yeah, good, good. Still in lockdown and the quarantine. It's the 16th of April. Uh, we've got a great guest with us today, Anita McEwen from the uh, Los Angeles Police Department. Hi, Anita. Hi, how are you? Welcome. Oh, we're doing good. Thanks for joining us. Got it. Uh, so let's let's talk about the quarantine. Uh, Casey, how are you and your family holding up? This has got to be like a full month in now, if not more. <laughs> I have a running joke, man, and, you know, people like me uh, that have been, uh, you know, quarantined before, <laughs> this is a cakewalk for us. I mean, this is like, I got it. this is nothing. This is nothing, man. I got a fridge. Uh, there's a lot of more square footage where I'm at. I'm good, bro. Uh, I can't complain. Hey. Very thankful. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Anita, how are things on your end with uh, the COVID-19 quarantine? Yeah, well, just following the rules, uh, socially distancing right now out in the high desert and uh, okay. staying 46 feet apart from anybody else that's out here. It's, it's warm and sunny, and <laughs> but at home, yeah, it's fine. You know, take your dog for lots of walks. Right, he loves yeah. It. Yeah. <laughs> Gets to yeah. see you a lot, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, doesn't he? Yeah. How are you doing with well, him? Well, we're in Nashville and uh, we're doing fine. You know, we've had about 300 plus cases in our county. We're close okay. to, we're just south of downtown Nashville. So okay. we're on lockdown until the end of the month, uh, April 30th. And then our kids were just told that they're not going back to school. Uh, so that's year. the end of the school year for them. I've got two sophomores. And so, as you can imagine, they shed tears. No, not really. No. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> so, but they're still in like, uh, anyway, school or something, right? They're yeah, still in school. No, they've got to yeah, do their work. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but uh, Casey, what do we got on tap today? What do you want to do? Well, you know, we, we got some good stuff because with uh, obviously with um, uh, uh, Lieutenant uh, Anita McEwen, she has a, a great um, – I, 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 and I'm – just assuming we're going to have some great stories because uh, she's been with uh, law enforcement for quite a bit. And, um, you know, uh, I was one of her clients uh, back in the days. <laughs> one of her preferred clients back in the days. And uh, she worked. Uh, did you, are you all right uh, uh, there, uh, Joel? You almost yeah, spit. sorry. Whenever you were drinking, almost came my, out. <laughs> I did. I talked to my Gatorade. That was good. <laughs> there you go. But you know, uh, she she worked at uh, Rampart. Uh, this is where she started after uh, her Santa Monica run. So I, I just uh, uh, I'm thrilled uh, to have her here. Um, it's an honor, really, awesome. uh, for us to have her here. And and then um, you know, we met uh, uh, through a mutual friend. 
uh, that uh, just, uh, you know, he's a great guy. And I, I tend to hang out with him quite a bit. And so he introduced me to, um, actually, how we ended up meeting is I ended up doing the signs for headquarters. Uh, there you go. Yeah. And uh, that's how we kind of got to meet each other. And never in a thousand years did I ever think that, you know, um, <laughs> I would be there installing signs. Uh, just, you know, by trade, I'm a sign guy, as many of you know out there. And, Very and, talented. <laughs> thank you. Uh, and good looking, by the way. Thank you. And good looking. Yeah, there you go. You can't leave that out. Yeah. You know? uh, right. But, uh, <laughs> but um, you know, we, we met and we did the signs there. And, and you know, for me, you, one of the things that, that I have uh, – watch God do in my life is uh, place me in places that I, I just never thought I would ever be in. You know, I was actually the one that uh, changed the, uh, uh, you're familiar with this, uh, uh, Anita, is uh, um, the criminal courts building in downtown Los Angeles. It was called CCB uh, a while yes. back ago. Mm -hmm. And the, the name was changed. Um, and I also was the one that installed that sign. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes. So the very, the very uh, 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 court that, that convicted me at that time is the very court that I ended up changing the name uh, to, that, to that courtroom. And, and it's just, you know, being there, it was very late at night. I think I installed it at around 12 midnight. Uh, because oh, really? Of, yeah, it, it, was too, um, it was too busy in downtown. I needed a truck with uh, electric with power. So we ended up putting our truck right on the curb and installing it that way um you know there's less traffic it's midnight not the safest i never place. knew that i've <laughs> seen that sign so many times yeah yeah so um uh and, and then you know being at at, at uh, lpd headquarters uh installing signs inside it, it was just a what a what a cool thing to, to do um for someone like me i, I just uh, i'm really uh just floored by what god does and the doors that he opens but yeah, that's yeah, you know, and uh, here we are. But uh, so we met that way, and um, we just, uh, you know, we had great conversations, and, and uh, uh, I, I went out to lunch with you several yeah. times, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and uh, one of the jokes that that I remember when you know, <laughs> this is after I think this is after the uh, you uh, after I installed the signs, you came over to the house with uh, uh, another. Uh, police officer, and they took me out to, to lunch. I wanted, uh, went to the vehicle that they had and sat in the back seat. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, the other, hey, you know, yeah, I uh, said, you know, just sit in the front with LT. And I said, no, no, I'm cool in the, here in the back. And I said, and, and there was like a little exchange back and forth. And I remember uh, uh, what you said. I don't, I don't know if you remember what you said, but uh, you said, uh, you know, we're just trying to get you off of the habit of being <laughs> transported <laughs> in the backseat with two law enforcement officers. Yes. So, yeah, there was a lot of laughter in that. But um, we want to hear about you and, you know, um, your role in, in your life. And I know that uh, um, Joel here has some uh, initial questions that we'd love to, uh, you know, Hear your side. Yeah. Your story. Yeah. Why don't we uh why don't we do that? Why don't we jump in with some lightning round questions, kind of get in the mix quickly here. So Lieutenant, if I may, 
Um, I'm just going to throw out some combinations, and you have to pick one, okay? There's okay. no explanation. You just have to pick. Mountains or the beach? Beach. George Clooney or Sean Connery? Sean. <laughs> Sandra Bullock or Julia Roberts? Both. Oh, both. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Lakers or Clippers? Oh, Lakers. Oh, okay. Been there a while, I can tell. All right, here's a good one for you. The Dodgers or the Oakland A's? Dodgers. Oh, no. <laughs> you oh, broke man. my heart. You're, you're revealing too much about yourself. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah. That, was, that was a rough day for me. Okay, Rams or Raiders? Neither. Okay. Green Bay. What? Green Bay. Green Bay. Really? <laughs> this was going so well up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Ford or Chevy? Chevy. Okay. My boyfriend would say Ford. Okay. <laughs> Cast member of Friends or King of Queens? Friends. Mm. Why? Joey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> How you doing? Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay, I would have picked King of Queens. I think those guys are funny. Either way, though. Uh, cast member of Iron Man or Star Wars? Star Wars. Yeah. That's I never awesome. saw Iron Man. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, The Walking Dead or Breaking Bad? Breaking Bad all the way. Wow. <laughs> that was a pretty popular show. Yeah. Okay, and then a couple of uh, one-off questions for you. If you could go back in history for one day, what period of history would you pick just to check it out and hang out? Um, I'd want to be John F. Kennedy's wife. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> so maybe farther back than that? Farther back than that? Um. I guess I'd like to go back to the 20s in Ireland and see how my parents grew up. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's about the same time period that my grandfather and his brother came from Ireland. To, oh, what uh, part? They were in Bray. And Bray. Just, Mm. all that anyway so they came over like 1918 engineer uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah engineer there you go that would be cool okay final question warren buffett has died and left you one billion dollars what do you do with it only a million one b billion oh, billion b. billion yeah he would leave more. um well i've <laughs> thought about this a lot because if i ever win the lotto i you know big lotto i know what i'm gonna do um Everybody in my life is going to be mortgage-free, debt-free, vacations. Um, I'd probably give to heart disease because that's what strikes my family. And um, I'd get a facelift. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tummy tuck and a facelift. <laughs> but it would go to everybody. I don't need that. So it would go to as much as I could give. That's wow. awesome. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's jump in. Give us a, a basic bio of your career, if you would. Was it 30 years with the Los Angeles Police Department? 30 with them, five with Santa Monica. 
So I started with Santa Monica in 1984 um, in a time where uh, policemen did not want police women on the job. Wow. And it was a rough, it was a rough uh, transition. Um, I never really thought about being a police. It kind of was uh, uh, introduced to me by some old salty guys that used to come in the liquor store I worked. And uh, yeah. I used to be able to keep the, uh, the people getting their paychecks uh, cash there. And I was a little barky. Not bossy, Barky. And um, he said, you ever thought about this? We're hiring. He was like the one Adam 12 guy, like classic skinny male white guy, cigarettes and a Coke every day. (laughs) And um, talked to my girlfriend about it. And uh, her husband was a county fireman. And at the time, there was obviously no internet. So you kind of had to like look at newspapers and bulletin boards. And we applied and got into the, the department within about three months. My father thought I was absolutely crazy, but um, I graduated college yeah. with a degree I couldn't use, and I'm like, I couldn't go back. I thought I would be a, a child psychologist yeah. is what I wanted, but yeah. then, uh, yeah, I went in the academy. It was very rigid and strict. It was uh, military-based, um, and actually got released early so that we could help with the uh, 1984 police, uh, police, uh, World Olympics, because some of the Olympics. events were happening in Santa Monica. All I okay. did was traffic control, but yeah, yeah. So that was fun. And then, you know, uh, you know, you're a native of Southern California, right? You grew I up am. there. Yeah. Southern California, San Fernando Valley ish, yeah. Chatsworth. No Chatsworth. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Nobody can spell it, but yes. Um, yep. Yeah. Cool. So, so this uh, was all still kind of local for you. You knew the area, you knew a lot of folks. And so you made the right connections and made it into the Academy. Yep. And so your first assignment was Santa Monica from what you're Correct. saying, you know, and uh, if anybody knows Santa Monica, that's not a bad assignment, at least on the surface. No. It doesn't seem like a bad well, assignment. That's what you think. It's eight square miles, but the 10 freeway, which comes from East LA ends in Santa Monica. Yeah. yeah. So, Every weekend, East L.A. ended in Santa Monica. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> on the Santa Monica Pier. So it was, uh, it was, okay. uh, it was, it was eye-opening. I was pretty, I was pretty innocent valley girl at the time, you know, totally. But yeah. um, I didn't know what I was getting into, honestly. So, um, but yeah, so it, it was a beautiful place to work at, but we had good clients. You know, a lot of beach patrol, a lot of pier patrol. Fourth of July was insane every year. Absolutely yeah. insane. Insane in the fun way for the crowd. Insane for us and busy. So would they have uh, fireworks off the pier or is it just, do you mean insane in all the neighborhoods, people lighting stuff off? More the crowds. Um, okay. Yes, Santa Monica has the, the fireworks off the pier and they also had a barge out in the ocean that they would light them off. And then all the local beach people would do their own. Yeah. And it was just PCH was um, insane. Yeah. Insane crowds, but in a fun way, but you know, drunk drivers and stabbings and shootings right. and all the, all the stuff that keeps us employed. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, we're not there because everybody's good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that was, and then my first year on Santa Monica was, um, 
kind of unique. I got into a lot of stuff, got a nickname. <laughs> um, oh, you earned a nickname. Nice. Calamity Jane was my nickname. Calamity Long Jane? Yes. Wow, nice. Yeah. I got stabbed. I was shot at. I was, yeah, um, I made mistakes too by being so naive. That's why that happened. But in Santa Monica, after three months of training, you're out on your own in your own car all by yourself. And uh, I was naive oh. and I made some judgment mistakes, stopped people by you, myself you, when maybe I shouldn't have. Care to share any of those or can you share some of those? Oh, sure. Um, one of my first ones, I was uh, up on Montana, which is a very, very nice area by the Riviera Country Club. Yeah. And I'm just tooling around in this beautiful neighborhood, and I see these two characters walking on the dirt side by the Riviera Golf Course. And it's like, yeah, what are they doing here? <laughs> so I ended up stopping them. What I didn't know is they had just done a burglary rape in West LA. Um, oh. Well, they, bur they did burglary. Like the female happened to be home, so they, they did what they did. And uh, they thought I knew this. I didn't. I just thought they were strange drinking in, in that neighborhood. I mean, it's million yeah. dollar homes. And I stopped them, and they overpowered me, jumped me, um, beat me. Um, and then they climbed the golf course fence to get away. I, I called in for help and I got the help, but but oh, I shouldn't so have stopped them gosh. by myself. I should have yeah. I should have you know called for backup right away. I didn't. You know, th these are the things in my first year that I learned fast. Um Yeah, I got stabbed once on on Main uh, Ocean Avenue there. Same thing, stopping someone without backup. Um and he he was high on P at that time it was PCP. PCP, sure. And uh, he didn't. He just he went crazy. Um, got stabbed in the hands. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> in my first <laughs> year, I had like seven or eight of these. I was off duty. I was in the hospital, and in the end, they uh, they made me redo my probation. <laughs> obviously. Yeah. And then everything was fine. But if you uh, if you believe in weird things, like my serial number at the time was 2666. Ah. And, and 666, obviously, is the devil. So they basically fired me and hired me back and changed my serial number, and then everything was fine. <laughs> and I did, uh, did another four years and five total and just decided eight square miles in one building and uh, – a couple of boyfriends, I got to leave. I got to get out of there. <laughs> so I transferred to LAPD, and that was the best thing I ever did. So at any time, were you thinking, this career is not for me? And my dad was thinking that. Your dad, I'm sure your dad was thinking that, yeah. He didn't yeah. like visiting in the hospital. Um, I never really, I just knew I, I realized that I didn't know a lot. Yeah, I got sure. into that career on a whim, and it was obvious, and I and I knew I needed to really phone up and listen to the senior. And I had a lot of support and then I had a lot of not support, but I was, I wasn't proud. I just said, you know, I want this as a career, so let's make me better. And I had some really yeah. good mentors and they really, 
really shot me with some common sense and some fear and some skills. And then I, yeah, I was going to ask you about mentors along the way. Like, can, can you remember one specifically who really showed you the ropes and helped you out a lot? The one, the most important person was a guy named Frank Fabrega. And he, he was the one in backgrounds that hired me, but then he changed. I think he promoted the sergeant and he never, he was never negative. He always just was honest and told me I could do it. And he was very well respected and he was kind and he would meet me and talk to me about, you know, work. And it was Frank, uh, John Neely, a couple of those guys. Uh, John was uh, a much senior. He probably only stayed a few more years while I was there, but yeah, they were great. The ones that were great were super great. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, just in life in general, it's like you, you need mentorship. You need people that come alongside of you and really make a difference um, in the way you think, the way you handle yourself. It's so important. I think, that, you know, coming across so many people now, uh, that's one of the biggest things that I see is that um, you either make it or you don't because of mentorship or the, or the lack of mentorship in our lives. And so I, I, I think it's, it's so important, you know, now, especially now is, um, is a great opportunity for so many of us to really, you know, pour into another person. And I think when you do that, it, 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 it does something to yourself as well, you know, cause you're actually pouring into someone that really needs it. And so I, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I love hearing that, you know, that, yeah. you know, it is. No, it's very important. And it's so important. Then, then you pay it forward, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. So. so, so you get some mentorship, you get some good people around you and you end up in downtown LA. Uh, once I joined LAPD, yeah, downtown, what we call the Rampart area was my first assignment uh, by MacArthur Park. Yeah. Um, so Not you, the best uh, of neighborhoods. <laughs> and, and so you're rolling around in a in a cop car in MacArthur. Yeah. I mean that that's oh, yeah. right off the gate. Right off the gate. Yeah. Wow. 1990. Yeah. And uh yeah, that was uh in Santa Monica I would say I didn't get too much um outside of the beach, you know, gang experience. We had a small gang in the east side of Santa Monica, but my real um experience first with hardcore gangs was Rampart and MacArthur Park. Yeah. And the brutality that they, uh, you it was know. on people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the war, because there was several of them in that area and the constant shootings and the extortion of the business owners and, yeah. Um, yeah. And I had a great mentor there too um, for that particular patrol life was, a guy named Jim Simonici, Vietnam vet, and he he was he was tough as nails, um, and uh, kind of ruled ruled Rampart his way. Um, yeah. Then back then, the way you could do police work back then, I wouldn't want it to be on camera now. <laughs> there was no cameras back then. No body cameras back then. No body cameras back then. I don't think yeah. most, many you, uh, of us. Do you remember any specific stories of you and Jim on patrol, and maybe some interesting stories people would like to hear? Um, 
Well, sure. Um, <laughs> we spent a lot. We spent a lot of time in alleys, if that makes sense. Um, okay. He was a he was a sneak. He would sneak up on them, and he knew where they would hang. And we spent a lot of time walking down alleys, um, peeking over fences. Um, <laughs> this is one particular thing. We were trying to find somebody. He had a warrant for. I don't remember now, some felony. And um, we knew where he hung out, but he wasn't hanging out there because he was wanted. So we were looking for him. And this is gonna, I don't know. Um, so we knew where his girlfriend lived. Um, and she lived several blocks out of his regular neighborhood where he shouldn't be. And um, that's my boyfriend. Um, say hi. Say hi to Casey. What's up, Casey? <laughs> hey, what's up, man? <laughs> but um, so we knew where she lived, so we went to. And and Jim is very smart. He we used to do FI cards, and you figure out where everybody's family lived, and you went, and you know when someone was missing, you knew they were a family. We just didn't know one, so we knew where this girlfriend's family was, and um, and uh, so we found him and his girlfriend, um, in an intimate moment in oh, his man. in her car <laughs> um and and jim so they were in the back seat doing it and they uh so he knocked on the door or the window and um then you know we arrested him mid-stride so it was pretty funny um because he wasn't armed at the time he <laughs> different guns going <laughs> um yeah. I do remember Jim helping a career Korean store owner because they all got extorted there on Alvarado and um, they all had to pay to to survive. And um, this poor guy needed his uh, his grandmother um, picked up from the airport, and he didn't have a car. And we had visited him, and so Jim, don't tell the bosses, but we arranged for. Um, LAX police department to pick her up and bring her to his house um, because he couldn't go he didn't have a car and he couldn't leave and that was just like Jim's heart you know he was wow he was tough as nails a Vietnam vet um, there were I mean I could tell you about the murder scenes we went to but um, yeah. if we if we went you know the mothers were sad but the the gangbangers were just um, empowered you knew within a few hours or at least a few days the other side was going to get it and if they didn't get it one of their friendly family would get it and that was eye-opening to me I, I didn't grow up that way obviously and i didn't uh i didn't know the gang life that i was getting into with jim and um yeah it was a great it was a great experience only worked there a year because then you get transferred out um so but is yeah. this uh, pre-OJ then? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah, this is pre-riots. The riots were 92. Yeah. That okay. was interesting. And OJ, I forget OJ. You'd have to tell me the year, uh, but that was... 94, I think. 94. Yeah, that was much later. No, there yeah. were the LA riots. I'm confusing the two. LA no. riots were 92. 92. Yeah. And one of the things that, that you know, if you're listening to the podcast, um, LA uh, in that era, in that time... Um, you're, you're dealing with, you know, hundreds of gangs that are just literally within blocks of each other. 
So it, 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 and at war. And at war. So you, you just, um, it was like, it was a day. Uh, it, it didn't matter whether it was dark or it was light. Crime just went 24 seven around that time. And, uh, you know, I, you know, unfortunately I, I got, you know, caught up in the whole nine yards, but it, it was an all day occurrence. It happened inside the schools. Uh, it happened yeah. at junior high schools. Now they call them middle schools, but back then there were junior high schools. And that's where a lot of the recruitment started from junior high school. I mean, you know, here's, uh, the high school, uh, you know, kids that were already involved, uh, a lot of them that were already involved. And they kind of just, you know, you kind of just push, um, kind of like a, a little wave of, um, enticement, uh, to these younger kids. And so I remember for me, I mean, I, I started at, at 11 and this is where recruitment starts. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's very young, uh, uh, because if you get them young, it's, it's, it's like anything, you know, you, you look at, um, uh, history in the background, you know, uh, with Hitler using, you know, teens, you know, he, there's so much that you could do with a, a, a brain that has, hasn't been developed yet. I mean, you know, uh, in, in what's common, common sense and logic. And so this is where you're going to go recruit. And, um, Los Angeles, we just became just this melting pot of just gangs and then drugs were just coming in at an all time high. Cocaine, uh, yeah. Cocaine had just came in. Crack cocaine was just introduced. Uh, PCP, like you mentioned earlier, in the interview uh, is uh, that was another one, and uh, you know you guys got the crack epidemic that was that, that happened in Los Angeles was just um, I, I don't think LA was ready for that. Uh, no, here were people that, and it didn't matter. You know, you had business guys that were or once in a, in their life that were business guys or you know uh, uh, college graduates, and all of a sudden they get a taste of this crack cocaine and. And now they're in MacArthur Park and um, yeah. and being used by the gangs left and right. So it it, it was it just a it, it's heartbreaking now as an adult. You you, you kind of look back and you go, wow, man, you know it, it breaks your heart what it did uh, to a community. Um, I moved in into uh, the MacArthur Park area very little. I was two years old when I came here, and then and when I was around five six. I remember MacArthur Park was nothing like that. Um, you know, no. it, it was nice. I mean, it was still, you know, uh, families were still using the park for the right reasons. Uh, yep. was, Beautiful I, I, water lake. Yeah, the water lake. They would use the boats, you know, yes. uh, they, they had the boats that just came in. Um, so families were still using the park for the right reasons. And and uh, I don't remember seeing homeless, homelessness. I, I, I really don't remember that many homeless people at all. Uh, back then, at all, uh, it wasn't yeah, at all, at all. And then, uh, about eighty four, eighty five is when it just—I mean, it just blew up on everybody's face. And uh, yeah, so I mean, that to me, it's it's shocking that that here you are um, in ninety, and you're kind of just like launched out to the worst area of Los yeah. Angeles. You know, how do you do that? Well, and, and talk about the crash unit. You guys were talking about that earlier. What what does that stand for? What does it mean? And I think, Casey, you uh, were probably on the opposite side of the crash unit. I was. <laughs> I was. Um, uh, it was one of those, um, you know, uh, they, kept, they kept coming to visit me, Joel. Uh, you know, 
Uh, I remember uh, I lived on 3, 330 South New Hampshire is where I lived. Oh, I know it well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, your helicopter was always on top of that building. And, uh, ghetto bird. Yeah, the ghetto bird. Um, it, it was just there. And um, I lived in what, what we would consider enemy territory because 18th Street was uh, the ruling gang of that uh, little section there. And so for me, um, you know, it, it was, I always had to get picked up, you know, uh, by a few uh, cars of ours um, in, in loads of, uh, you know, uh, of gang members. Mm -hmm. For me to step out of my, my building by myself, that, that was just a, a ticket to, uh, to the grave. I mean, that, that's how serious it was. Um, but yeah, Crash Unit, I, I remember when they first developed it, um, you know, it, 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 the gang culture had just got so unglued uh, to the point where, you know, it, it was just a, a daily occurrence of, I, I don't think, um, you know, the crime of today just doesn't compare to what it was in, in, in the mid 80s and, and 90s. Um, mm -hmm. it, it was just a bloodbath over there. Um, it was. It, it really it was. was. I mean, the, uh, the stabbings and the shootings were every single day, multiple places. I don't even know how your department even could handle that type of uh, um, onslaught on, on the streets. I mean, it, it was just, uh, it was just wild. It was, it was. Um, yeah, well, Crash, I guess it started in late 79, 80, and it was the Community Resources Against Street Hoodlums. Um, clever name. Doesn't yeah. exist by that name anymore because people don't like the hoodlum part of it. But um, <laughs> basically, what it was, it was it was a unit and and other units in other districts, cities, um, basically to keep book on them all. When I say that, we use field interview cards, FI cards, and um, gang affiliations, and um, we would use that information. We could sometimes flip a gang member on another one so he could tell us where the storing their guns, they had a gun somewhere, like under a mailbox in Mrs. Smith's house. You know, she didn't even know the gun was there, but that's where they would store it. And sometimes we'd get, get information there. Um, it was basically, you know, Cal Gangs was formed. That's a computer program that's now being in question now, but um, because there was just such a rampant explosion. And like Casey said, they would start nine, 10, 11, and sometimes those kids were the most heartless. They just, yeah. they were, they were brutal because they're like, their brains aren't formed. They don't have guilt yet. They don't, they don't have moms or dads or usually a dad. And then usually their dad was a gangbanger. So yeah. there was no choice. And, or a uh, drug dealer, one of the two. Or a drug dealer. And then, yeah, all, all of that also, you know, paying them for protection. Um, and it, it was a, it was just it was like Casey said it was a bloodbath. We'd roll five times a night to shootings, gang shootings, and pretty much we did our best, you know, professionally. But we knew in a half an hour someone else was going to get hit because the you know the green light was put on somebody, and and even from jail. I mean, yeah. a lot of this was controlled by the Mexican mafia in jail because all the money went back to them at some point. So it was uh, it was. It was complicated, it was fast, it was brutal, and uh, we had to, you know, keep each other. We, we'd run six, six deep, you know, six cars deep. We wouldn't go anywhere, just one black and white. We, you know, 
the crashing it always followed each other. It wasn't like we were on patrol, not together. We always, uh, we rolled three, four cars deep to go anywhere. Uh, and that's the way we survived. You know, we have to go home at night, but it was uh, code three everywhere, as we said. And um, some of the crash unit was in plane cars. They looked like police cars, but they weren't black and white. Uh, we could get in a little deeper without being seen. And you know, they'd all whistle. As soon as we turn the corner, everybody's whistling or clacking or whatever they would do. I whatever yeah, letting everybody know in the house or the backyards that uh, crash is here, or even any police car. So, but um, yeah, there was a there was no shortage of clientele, like Casey says. <laughs> and, you know, a, a lot of the violent crime. Uh, yeah, uh, I'd like to go back to what she just mentioned. Um, you know, you, you got you had. I remember sitting in in juvenile halls with. Um, 13, 14 year old uh, uh, gang members that were in there for murder. I mean, and, and you know, back then the, the sentence guidelines weren't like they are right now. Um, so you had guys that were 13, 14, 15 years old, they commit a murder and they come out by the age of 25, some actually even sooner. Yeah. Um, they would go to the California Youth Authority. So, yeah. you know, here you, you're going to earn your stripes on the streets laying somebody out and you'll be out by 25 i mean that that was like you know for a gang member that's, that was like that was there's no time at all we that, can do it no time at all yeah we can do it and i mean you had crowds man crowds of, of young men that and and young girls that because then girls started getting involved <clears throat> started getting used for you know homicides and stuff so you, oh, you yeah. look at that and you go wow man you know again as an adult man it, it, it breaks your heart to to see how yeah. many lives just threw away their lives over, over a gang culture, you know. And uh, yep. uh, it, it, it's 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 saddening. And uh, this is one one of the reasons why I'm a very uh, a big mouth about uh, when I go to speaking engagements and stuff like that. Um, you know, because look, crime is going to exist always. That's the truth. It'll always be here, right? Um, but yep. if we if we do nothing about it, if we if we keep our mouths shut and we don't take care of our communities, then you you darn you darn that someone is and someone's gonna someone with a bad motive with a bad agenda is gonna want to walk into your neighborhood to your community and start and it starts with the little stuff, the spray painting. It's oh yeah, that's the introduction to a gang. Tagging. Tagging. That that's 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 their mark, and uh, you know um, <laughs> I had an incident not, no, not 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 too long ago, but this is about maybe I think my kids were like uh, I want to say like three and four I think something or four and five something like that, but we we're visiting a Thirty One Flavors um, uh, here in North Hollywood, and it was these three uh, three little gang members and they're riding on right in front. It's daylight. And they're graffitiing their, you know, their little gang name, uh, in front of the thirty-one flavors. And I got my kids in the in the car, and you know, they they were raised in Burbank, so they don't know none of this. You know, they're just like oblivious to what's happening right in front. And I'm right. so mad, man. And I shouldn't have did this. I shouldn't have did this. But I thought I'm gonna do this. And I said, uh, yeah. I told my wife. Uh, so uh, my whole family's there. My son's not born yet. You're like, hold my keys. Yeah, I said, uh, <laughs> I said keep, the, keep the car running. Don't open the door. 
And my wife got so nervous and she says, what are you doing? I said, just don't open the door, just stay in the car. And I walked over to them. Meanwhile, they were, I mean, they were still spray painting. And I don't know what they saw in my face or in my eyes, what it was. And I said, put that down. And he looked at me like, you know, this is a little gang member. He's probably like around 13, 14 years old, something like that. I said, put that spray can down. The other two, like, they, they, they just run. And I actually go running after him, really short run. Uh, and I said to him, I said, if you run, something's going to happen to your kid, right, to, to your homeboy right here. Don't run. And they actually stopped. And I wow. think they heard my, I, I don't know, I almost had like a little flashback there. And, and they heard it in my voice. You know, they, they know it. I said, sit down. So I sat him on the curb. I said, listen, I said, look, look, this is what's going to happen. I said, I'm not going to see you ever here in the neighborhood. And you're never going to tag another wall. And I'm going to tell you why you're not going to tag another wall. Because I live around here. And we're going to keep these walls nice and clean. You understand that? And I remember them looking, and they were so nervous, man. These were gang members. They're, they're, you know, they're just being introduced to that. Right. I don't, I don't suggest anybody, if you're listening, don't do what I did. I just had one of those moments, and I, you know, and I did what I did. I said, don't ever write on any of these walls ever again. And uh, they, um, okay, sir, uh, but they, it's like, it threw them for a spin because they didn't know if I had a background in, like, that was my past or what the situation was me. But I know that they can hear it in my voice and in the kind of, because I still, some people still think that I, you know, I still talk somewhat like that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but they stood up. Uh, I said, I'm not going to call the cops. I said, but here's, uh, here's number two. You're going to go in there and you're going to say sorry to the, the, the guy who owns his 31 flavors. And he said, oh, yeah. like right now? I said, like right now, all three of you. And they walked in there. Uh, said we're sorry. The guy didn't know what was going on. Like he didn't even know that his <laughs> building was being spray painted. Uh, sorry, uh, we won't do it again. And 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 they left. I don't know whatever happened to them. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that that kind of just scared them, you know, to to a to a place where maybe this is not for us. Um, right. But but I think that being proactive in our neighborhoods, not the way I did it. There's other ways, but being proactive in uh, in, in our communities is so important. To, to, to yeah, that kind of activity away from. Our well, community. Casey, that that's an awesome point because you know what? You probably showed up and looked like a father to them, something that they hadn't seen, you know. And that's actually something I wanted to ask Anita about: is the role of parents in some of these neighborhoods? Yeah. Um, if, if parents are involved, seems to me they would have a positive influence, but. What was your experience? Uh, and I'm, what I'm getting at is the the positive, you know, people trying to make a difference in some of these neighborhoods. You know, the policeman who pulls the kid aside and puts his arm around him and just says, hey, what's going on? Why don't you clean up your life? You can do better. You know, did you see some of that with parents and other folks in the community? Oh, I definitely, definitely saw that. Um, um, you know, with Casey's life and the, with the no father in the house um and the kids knowing the fathers have children other places so they and their mothers are working two jobs and they're multi-generations in the house grandmother doesn't want to believe their son's doing anything wrong and um 
older brother's already in jail and um you know then you've got the influence of the people in the neighborhood and that's what a gang really is is family yeah. and that's what when they when they break down and tell you why they can't leave or won't get jumped out or anything it's their family but it's also their protection um the crash guys that i worked with were always very um compassionate to the plight however we handled the violent end of it but um you know police officers being coaches at the park but the the, the, the majority of the gang bangers, of course, wouldn't come and play a sport, but if you could influence their younger brother, and we're talking the six, seven-year-old, um, you know, they, they feel like they have no road out. They're not going to college. Their professional life will just probably following in their family's, you know, footstep. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, but it was very rewarding when you could actually influence or talk or even just explain, like, I know there's some that have come from gang families that are police. You know, they get through the background. They keep their life clean up until 18, 19. I know those backgrounds, investigations, they rarely believe that they have never touched cocaine or been in a shooting or backseat of a drive-by shooting. But um, I know several, mainly younger than me, that come from gang families from different, you know, cities, and um, and they're shunned by their family, but they have great stories. They tell what they know. They found guns, cocaine, you know, in the sewing machine or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it's it's that's why there are gangs because that's their family, and as yeah. twisted as it seems, it's their support. And then gang members are sensitive too. They have issues. They break up with their girlfriends. They don't have enough money. Um, and you know, the, the brother gets killed in jail or something. They, you know, I've seen a few cry over emotional things, but cause like what Casey just said, when he, when he stopped them from tagging the wall, um, nobody pays attention to him because everybody that's looking at them is in fear. Casey paid attention. Now, he scolded them, chastised them, but nobody pays attention to them in their house, in, in their neighborhood, at school. Teachers are intimidated. You know, the principal's getting paid off. I mean, I hate to say it, but... Um, and um, so it, it's basically there is no father figure in their life. doesn't matter if the mom is genuine and hardcore work and good mom. It's that male father figure or uncle and then when so many in the neighborhood are in jail or going to jail or so-and-so got, you know, got killed last week, it's, I don't know, it hardens their heart at 12. And they hear the gunshots. They hear the helicopter every weekend over there. You know, they see the pursuits. And, uh, and then they, they know what's going on in the neighborhood. They know who the burglars are. They know who are doing street robberies. And they keep quiet because they have to. And, yeah, and, and that's the thing is, is, is like those neighborhoods and you know you, you're growing up in these buildings and nobody really owns a house over there uh, no they're, they're living in little uh, you know studio apartments you're doing really well if you have a one-bedroom apartment I mean that's just uh, how, how it was and and yeah you, you step out your door uh, and that's all you see that that is your canvas um, you know uh, the, the yellow tape the corner being yeah. outside of your apartment again uh, yep. for, you know, third, fourth for time. For your homie, week. for your friends, brother, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and and nobody can say anything. I mean, that was the that was the heartbreaking thing is that 
uh, you know, think of looking at it from this angle now is no one can say anything. Nobody can call the police. You do not want to be that person that, that, that you know, befriended uh, yeah. law enforcement at that time. If you did and somebody found out, you're done. I mean, whether you were in a gang or not, you were going to be dealt with uh, very harshly. And, and so the, keeping the, that community, and this is what gangs do, it's, they keep the community in fear. And, 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 and they terrorize these, these communities. I mean, that's, that is the goal, and that is the purpose, to keep a foothold uh, uh, on everyone around there. And it's unfortunate, unfortunate that this happened for so long. Uh, and, you know, here, I remember when the, third, uh, the, the three strikes law uh, came, in, came about. I was still uh, in New Folsom at that time. Um, about to get out, I, I believe, because uh, I think, uh, wasn't it 94? I think 94 is when the third, or 92. It was either 92 or 94 when the third, three strike law came in, into effect. It was one of those yeah. mm -hmm. And, and um, that, that law pretty much cleaned up the leadership in Los Angeles, the gang leadership. That broke the, the, the back uh, of gangs big time. Unfortunately, I think that it, it wasn't studied out um, better uh, because then, you know, uh, then you had the guys that were stealing a pizza and then getting 25 to life, which I think yeah. uh, was pretty bad for, uh, you know, the, the regular taxpayer to foot the bill on a guy that just stole, stole pizza on his third offense. Yeah. So I, don't, I think a little bit more studying should have been done with that law, but it did put away a lot of the violent uh, uh, gang members of those days and um and they served some serious time oh yeah third strike yeah on the third strike yeah you, you, you look yeah 25 life you know that was that was a big thing and uh, so many one so many uh, inmates in there were being struck out i remember when they were coming in there and you know uh you know i, I think that if you if your third felony is a violent family uh, yet again absolutely the the the, the 25 life is should be there it's in place and it should be you know uh, given to that offender if the third strike is and this is just my opinion if the third strike is you know the guy just stole some chips from the convenience store but had two other violent offenses i don't think that you know we should be carrying that bill man as a taxpayer now i'm like that's that's a you know yes arrest them yes you know, give him uh, some wino time in the county jail. You know, he's gonna hate that. But the 25 to year uh, to life, that was a little uh, extreme for, for those type of uh, individuals. Um, but right. it, it did clean up the streets quite a bit. That, that's for sure. Yeah, it did. It did do its job. But I, the, the third felony, if it was just, you know, um, a consumer felony, as we call it, you know, just stealing. It had to be $400 worth of something. But if it was just burglary or stealing at that and they got away. But they've changed it since then. Yes, they, they, they have, yeah. have changed it. And I think now it's, it's the way it should have been from, from the beginning. It, it, it's done a lot of good still. Yeah. Well, but we Nita, you, sorry. Uh, quick, quick time out. We're getting some feedback. Is there something playing in the background? Yeah, they have the music outside. I can have them turn it okay. off for a little. Oh no, no, that's okay. I just wanted to acknowledge what that was. It might have been something else, but I can I can uh, close the big door. That would help. Maybe Let me close the door. Okay. 
I think Enrique can take some of that out, can he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Want to transition into her uh, desk job? Okay. Let's see uh, what that was like. Are we coming up on an hour? There, that should help. Awesome. So, Anita, um, talk to us about your transition from being a, a beat cop out on the street in the crash unit to a desk job in, in the LAPD. Maybe fast forward some. What does that look like? How to how do you promote? to that position and then what do you how do your responsibilities change um well um so because i had the years in santa monica five there and then the the three or four the two or three in patrol as an officer so i took the sergeant's test uh when i was eligible and i forget what it is you think you have three years on or something and um uh fortunately i came out number one on the list <laughs> so instead the list waits is a two-year list so instead of waiting what I thought would be if I was lucky you know two years so I promoted um pretty fast for someone just getting on the job there four years um and went to uh promoted and you go back to patrol I had I had a small uh, admin job in what they call planning and research division for about a year prior um went to West LA promoted there uh, training officer um, wasn't the best place to work long story but um, promoted and then went to southwest area which is by USC kind of area although USC is a stunningly gorgeous campus and but it's in the middle of southwest area and um, yeah so I promoted there you know you promote and then you go work the night watch and um, uh, again that was pretty eye-opening there i um remember i got a call um a domestic violence but it was it was gang oriented down there it's the the 40s uh, the peace stones um and somebody uh the husband or the boyfriend um was having an, a fight with his girl and he ended up shooting her right there on the porch as we walked up then that turned into a huge uh barricaded suspect um, situation ended up getting them out but it took hours it took hours it took a SWAT to come and do that um, so yeah I worked there uh, had gotten married got pregnant so I was uh, I was on the desk once once you're pregnant you know you tell them they put you inside um, went to internal affairs once I came back to work did a couple years there and um, and then promoted again to what we call lieutenant in 98. Um, again, once you promote like that, you go back to patrol, which is great. I went to Van Nuys. I was a watch commander there. Um, and then uh, pretty much I was promoting real fast. Um, I had my degrees and I understood the, uh, the testing process pretty well. I, I'm pretty good at taking interviews. and. Um, I chose at that point, I didn't want to promote anymore. I didn't want to be the command officer. I didn't like the way that they were treated uh, by the upper brass. Um, I had some really great captains I worked for and they were just berated. We had a thing called fast track at the time, a statistical analysis of your command. And 
so I just I stayed lieutenant since 98 and, and worked various jobs. Um, worked in the chief's office, public affairs. That was fun. Um, and uh, so, uh, public affairs. So did you answer the media? Did you attend press conferences? Did you put out press releases? What was that? So with our job, uh, media relations does that. I was yeah. not that person. I wasn't the, uh, like in news conferences, you know, I have a face for radio. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> but no, public affairs was more community oriented. Uh, um, we put on the, the Memorial Golf Tournaments for the Memorial Foundation. We put out a community newspaper. We did all kinds of behind the scenes community um, uh, work. I had a staff of about 12, some civilian, some sworn. And um, uh, we just basically represented the chief's office in, in uh, the community, but not so much like community relations, but just helping fundraise, helping get, put out what we called the Beat Magazine, keeping people informed. Um, that was a really fun job. I was there a couple of years under Chief Parks. Um, um, did the golf tournament. They raised a lot of money for the Memorial Foundation, which is a foundation that if you're killed in the line of duty, um, they, they assist the family. And if you have children at that time, the Memorial Foundation will send your children to the college of their choice. So that's why we would raise money for that organization. Um, and then they did, they took care of the funerals and people's bills and they do a lot more, but that was specific at that time. Um, and then uh, went to technology because I was recruited over there. Um, Sounds weird. I did nothing about radio technology, but they needed someone to handle a specific, what we call area of responsibility, seven county um, radio system because police couldn't talk to each other. Like LAPD and Culver City couldn't talk to each other. LAPD and LA Fire couldn't talk to each other. So they recognized the need um, of that. Um, I worked on that project for a few years. Uh, then 9-11 hit. And um, they, they, uh, the department um, developed several different uh, divisions or responsibilities, and I went to something that was called Archangel. And Archangel, um, after 9-11, was specific on citywide determining the vulnerabilities to uh, critical infrastructure and key resources. We call it CIKR. And... Um, we got trained, I had about 10 officers working for me, and we got trained on the vulnerability of terrorist wow. penetrations from, there's 19 sectors of infrastructure, from bridges to internet, you know, internet, like there's buildings downtown that do nothing but transpose the internet. You think it's an office building, but it's nothing but to, things like that, and you know, um, soft targets, malls, that kind of stuff. Yeah, and the then- world, uh, The world really changed after 9-11, didn't it? It changed. And, um, yeah, just like this, this corona has changed us all. It's a similar, it was like, that was the focus, all kinds of focus, terrorist investigations, CIKR, um, undercover, spinning up the JRIC, um, which is a joint regional information center in Norwalk for the, the seven counties. Um, and so when you say- I too about playing, I'm sorry, I interrupted you, but uh, talk about working with the feds 
and local authorities. You know, we see that on TV sometimes in these police dramas, but what's that really like? Because it looked like after 9-11, that became very important for the two entities to work together. Well, we all know the feds really want to be local cops like LAPD, but um, <laughs> um, no, the, the relationships are very important. Their, um, their priorities are different. Um, their policing, police work is totally different. Um, we would, uh, we did partner with the feds and uh, Department of Homeland Security when we were in Archangel and they funded a lot of our positions, our technology. And between the two, there was MOU's memor uh, memorandums of understanding uh, based on um, working together, getting the work done, getting the reports to them. We use a specific software or computer system because then that's the way that the feds would um, disseminate some funding for critical infrastructure, key resources that would be a target again, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. like 9-11 was and the relationships were great a lot of times the people on the, the city side would be given security clearances I was given one you go through a background so that you could be in the in the briefings in in what we call the skiff um secured communication information facilities called a skiff <laughs> and LAPD was the, was the only one that had one um after 9-11 other than in a federal building chief downing made that happen so a lot of briefings and secrets could be told in there, but like you can't bring your phone in there. You, you have to have a clearance to go in there. Um, and uh, that's a very positive federal local partnership that still exists today. Um, they still have people coexisting as teams at the JRIC um, where they do a scrub of open source, but then they can throw in a little bit of um, you know, law enforcement sensitive only and they put out briefings and you know back in 9-11 and those years afterwards we we had so many tips and leads and we'd investigate them all obviously 19 years later um it's not as prevalent but there's still lots of investigations and that's where i ended up uh, after that assignment going to major crimes where the focus the next every case had had a nexus to some terrorism be it how they raised money be it um, operatives that were in the country, um, maybe they could be planning something. Um, and then, you know, again, the FISA warrants and all that kind of stuff that would happen. But um, so when you say transition from patrol to desk, just you go to your desk every day, but we were in the streets, the field a lot. But we were in those last uh, 13 years, it was plain clothes, either suits or undercover. And, um, uh yeah i spent uh nine years at that last assignment and it was the best assignment i ever had it was fast and speedy and interesting and we had secrets we couldn't tell anybody and um cases that were connected to all over the world this was very interesting and um and still today we've got people undercover um yeah and uh you know to, to me it's it's so um just um, amazing how all that you know because the normal uh, citizen doesn't, you know, it's, you're just going to buy your own business. Uh, but then, you know, it's like, this is really happening in the back, in some office, in some building uh, where, oh, yeah. you know, law enforcement is trying to keep uh, the best, as, the, the best uh, intelligence kind of tucked away. 
uh, and making sure that Americans are, are safe. Are safe. Uh, yeah, and, and are going about the normal routines that we have. And, yeah. and that's why I'm so like super thankful to, you know, understanding it now, uh, the, the, the amount of work that you guys do is, is I think so um, underappreciated by, by many. I, I really do. Uh, I, I really, I, 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 it irks me uh, when I hear someone, you know, bowed mouth it uh, or have spite against uh, uh, law enforcement. I, I, it just, it really irks me. And I think that it has a lot to do with just the amount of work that goes behind everything that you guys do. I mean, it, this department is, um, the LAPD is nine to 10,000 members, correct? Uh, 10,000. Uh, yeah. And in a city that is ginormous, I mean, it's a, it, the square footage is, is just, um, and when you look at the numbers and you look at the square footage, you go, how? How is it even possible? And I understand there's, you know, there's other departments, as, you know, there's uh, LA Sheriff's Department and, and other, um, you know, uh, said uh, departments from cities, uh, neighboring cities. And every single one of them has a job and they're, and, and, and they're doing the best they can with the, what I think is a limited resource of folks that are actually doing the, the work. And so for, for, you know, when somebody, when somebody's life is in danger, you're not calling your, your, your mommy or your, or your daddy, you're calling you guys, you yeah. know, calling law enforcement to, to come and help. And, um, you know, and, and, and it just irks me when I hear those very, the same people that will, will be so fast to dial 911 uh, and, and they're so quick to lip uh, their opinions and, 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 you know, just kind of smear uh, law enforcement altogether with, uh, or paint it with the same brush. I, I just, uh, um, I'm very vocal and I, I, you know, I'm very quiet. <laughs> I've always been very quiet, but when it comes to things where I believe, uh, or stand on, I, I, it's just in my nature to, to say something. And I think education has a lot to do with, once you are informed with, you know, what you guys do, uh, what law enforcement does, what the fire, uh, you know, first responders, when we get educated in all that it takes, um, I think, uh, you know, the, the mentality changes. Um, you know, ignorance, it's not a bad word, it's just, you're, you lack information. That's all it means. And I think once you get informed and educated, then you make an intelligent response or comment um, of such, you know, uh, whatever it is in, in life. Um, but I think now it's like you, we get all our feed from media, from the news, uh, yeah. from horrible places. And, you know, people are not doing their homework. So they spew what they spew because of what they're hearing in local news, uh, you know, departments or whatever it is. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, uh, I really, you know, hats off to you guys. You guys are an amazing uh, group of people. I have had uh, the honor of, you know, meeting so many of you and each one of you has an amazing story. And, you know, you know, think about it. These are people that, are getting up in the morning or, or whatever their shift is, they're going out there and they're literally risking their lives 
for complete strangers. This is what they do. They <laughs> risk their lives. They don't know you, but they have a, an oath that they have sworn to, to defend, to protect, to you know, bring back to life, whatever it is. I think uh, uh, if you're listening to, a, to this podcast right now, you know, do your homework. Do your homework. Do it diligently and, and, and find out, is the media feeding me uh, just, you know, whatever they, the media wants to feed me or, or do I do my homework and look at the whole, the whole scope of this situation and then make an intelligent, you know, decision on where am I going to stand now that I have information, correct information. I, I think that's so needed in our culture. Um, you know, I, I try to educate my kids. I have three of them. Uh, I don't want them to, uh, to have a, a, a bad fear of law enforcement. I want them to know that they're here to, to defend. They're here to protect. They're here to serve. They're here for the right reasons. Um, you know, as an ex-felon, I've been pulled over four times, four times since I've been out. One of them, my first one was, uh, I was in Simi Valley. Uh, I had just got out. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in a job. And I remember I was working for a, um, a company that collected um, donations, um, kind of like, a, I forgot what, uh, it was Helping Hands for the Blind is what I was working for. And they give you a big truck, and you kind of go to the porch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and steal stuff off their porch. <laughs> and, oh, wow. <laughs> they would leave their donations. Well, I can't believe you said that. But they would leave their donations on the porch, and you pick them up, you know, and you had a route. So... Uh, when I got out, you know, uh, there were still pay phones back then. And, uh, you know, uh, so I'm lost. And, and Simi Valley was still, a lot of Simi Valley was still in, uh, in development. There were still some roads, uh, so a lot of construction there, a lot of roads that were still being built. And so there was dirt. In this particular one, there was dirt. And there was no, um, and, oh, by the way, and back then you had a Thomas guide. And yeah. You had to read one. <laughs> You, you were very lost. That was like yeah. the Bible of the streets, right? And there was no Google, GPS, uh, maps, MapQuest, none of that. You needed to read a, a, a Thomas guide. So I, I'm, I'm looking for an address. There's no street address uh, names on, on the road. And I know where I'm, I'm at, but my Thomas guide is not telling me exactly where I'm at. And I'm at the right-hand shoulder with a big old giant truck, there's signs on the truck. And as far as I could see, it was just dirt. I looked back, just dirt. No one was there. I made the dumb decision to make a left-hand turn from a right-hand shoulder, like I'm oh. a shoulder. And lo and behold, the next thing I see is a Simi Valley unit. And he's trying the very best he could to avoid my truck. And he ends up in, uh, in, in a little embankment. Oh, oh no. Yeah, so he, he, he kind of just does this, right? And I'm going, of course. Of course it's going to be a cop car, right? Why wouldn't it be? <laughs> it's just my luck, right? So he goes, and I'm now, I'm still on parole. Like, I, I'm still on parole. So I'm, I put my hands on the steering wheel. I know what to do. And I think, well, what about if he's hurt? If he's hurt, I don't want to leave him there. But if I come out of the car, it's going to look like I'm, like, you know, it's just going to look wrong. So I mm -hmm. kind of stayed there, and I had my hands on the steering wheel, and I went, if he doesn't get out, he's in trouble. I'm going to go help. 
But if he gets out, I'm just gonna give him a little, you know, a couple minutes there. So he comes out and he's not hurt, but his <laughs> cruiser is gone. Oh and, shoot. Yes, and he comes over to me and he's he's angry. He he's cussing me out in the yards, rightly so. And he goes, Give me your driver's license insurance and all that, right? And I give it to him. What the you know, and he's just going off on me. <clears throat> he goes back, and I'm not kidding you, I'm thinking about maybe I'm saying Two minutes, I don't think it even took that long. This is Simulali people. That's mm-hmm. like, uh, <laughs> that's Cop Central over there, right? Everybody lives over there. And in about two minutes' time, there it looked like the whole entire department was behind <laughs> my truck. And uh, I remember this one lady, uh, Cop, uh, she's on the right hand, and her hand is on the holster. Uh, she, she didn't come out with it, but her hand's on the holster. And finally, he comes uh, to, to my window, and he says to me, uh, he goes, uh, what were you thinking? I said, you know what? And I, I explained the whole situation to him. I said, I'm sorry, man. I, I, that was my bad. I apologize. Um, and I said, but uh, what's up with all your friends? And he says to me, well, let's just say you come out very colorful on my screen. <laughs> I said, I know. I said, I, I'm still, I'm a parolee. Uh, and I said, uh, but, uh, you know, this is my job. Uh, and I, I'm collecting the you know, this is my route. And I show him all the paperwork and all that. So it's legit. And uh, he hands me a ticket and everything. And I told him, I remember I told him when he was leaving, I said, look, if you see me running with a TV on my shoulder, that was a donation. <laughs> that was not like, <laughs> and we laughed about it. Really cool. I went, you know, I went to pay the ticket and they could not find the ticket. So I, I'm assuming that he probably went, you know what, this dude's like trying and yeah, he is working. Let me give him a break. And, and, nice. and when I went and to the counter, tore, maybe tore it up. Yeah, yeah, or he tore it up. And I remember giving it to the clerk, and she and I, and I asked her. I said, "What do you mean you can't find it?" She goes, "Either he destroyed it, didn't want to put it in the system." I said, "But this is a ticket." I like, I, and I showed her the, the written ticket. He goes, "Yeah, that's one of our tickets, but it's not in our system." And I'm <laughs> this behind glass, you know, and I'm looking at the cameras that's behind her. I said, are those cameras running? And she's like, uh, yeah. So I'll, this is just me joking around. I said, I just want to let you know that this is the cash for this ticket. I was here. <laughs> yeah. I tried. And, yeah, I tried. And she's like, you don't have to do that. We'll, we'll make sure, we'll give you a, a, another thing here yeah. to let people know that you, you showed up here. But nothing came out of that. So, you know, when you respond to, when you're getting pulled over, just do what they say. Be an adult about it. <laughs> just do what they say. Don't give a mouth. Be <laughs> an adult about it. Let them do their job. And look, for me, four times. One, with a ticket that was never in their system. And three, with very cool warnings. They weren't harsh. They didn't go off on me. And they knew my past. I mean, if you put, pull up my, you know, I'm assuming that I'm still in the system. And they still in the You'll system. You'll always be in the system, Casey. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I was trying to be soft right there, but yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, the, uh, a, a very nice warning, and that was it. That's all we need to do. You know, respect what they're doing, and if, and if they're pulling you over, it's most likely because you did something. Let's be honest, right? We didn't put a turn signal or you're speeding, whatever the case may be. Just, you know, know that they're just doing the job, and um, there is no such thing as a uh, just a normal stop. They don't know who they're dealing with. They, they, they don't know. Uh, they don't have your license in their hand yet. 
just uh, obey instructions and then go about your build, uh, your business. It's that easy, you know. So I just wanted to throw that out. I, I think that's important for people to know, you know. Uh, you know, and this is from uh, an ex-felon that, you know, I, I've been through it, and um, just follow instructions. That's all. Very true. Very true. Awesome. Anita, uh, we should probably let you go here pretty soon, but I do have a final question. Given that you've worked in the city of Los Angeles for so long, did you run into any celebrities? Um, and you don't have to give a negative situation, but, you know, some positive encounters maybe over the years and people we might know. Oh, sure. Um, in Santa Monica, Lou Ferrigno got in a fight on Main Street in a bar. Oh, he got an actual no, fight. He was in the fight. Uh, he was cooperative with us, but yeah, he was huge at that time. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, same thing. He had a cigar bar in, on Main Street in Santa Monica. Um, yeah, ran into him. He he didn't cause the police to go, but we used to work a foot beat um, on Main Street. Um, I have met George Clooney um, wow. on a radio call, and. Uh, I, I wasn't starstruck. He's as gorgeous in person as he is on TV. <laughs> he had, uh, he had, his car got burglarized in West LA. Um, I actually met Donald Trump many years oh, ago really? when, when he was, uh, he was at uh, a, a beautiful hotel in uh, downtown LA. I don't remember the why, but we were there um, for another purpose. And this is when he had more hair. And um, <laughs> and he was married to his second wife at the time, and um, he was very nice and just came up and thanked us. Uh, this is probably ninety five, maybe. Um, wish I had a picture with him, but um, yeah, that would have been good, huh? Yeah, and over the years, um, well, with the memorial golf tournament that they did for the police department, there was always a celebrity host. So I'd always meet them, Dennis Quay, those kind of things. But the one basically during police work was Lou Ferrigno. He was really nice. He was so big. And, um, you know, he had, he'd gotten spit on in the bar. and oh, he did, yeah. And because the other guy was super drunk. So, but he was cooperative. But, yeah, he, uh, he took care of business. So, sure but did. I would say as a rule, the celebrities are always very genuine, generous, nice, Kim, I met Kim Kardashian once. Um, uh, she came in. She actually came, does he like her? Casey, Casey oh. did too. Uh, oh, did I, I did, I did uh, their signs when they first uh, launched uh, 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 Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Oh wow! So okay. I did all their uh, all their signage for. He had no idea who they were, though. I had no idea who they were. <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh, I actually they they came. You know, Saturdays I would go Saturdays to my shop. And e, e, e Entertainment was uh, about four blocks away from my, my shop, sign shop. Yeah. So that's how they came to us. And they came on a Saturday in a black uh, SUV. Uh, oh, yeah. tinted windows. And uh, they asked. Uh, so Saturdays I was going and checked to see if anybody paid me, you know, for checks. So that was my routine on Saturday mornings. And here's this SUV. And the driver says, uh, you know, hey, uh, I have a disc. And this is before, you know thumb drives and you know he had a disc and he says hey uh i have a logo here can you look at it and i said uh no actually right now i'm i'm not open and i have everything turned off and he says to me uh you know i just need you to look at the logo very persistent you know 
uh, nice, but persistent. And I said, no, I'm sorry, I can't, brother. But come on Monday, I'm open at 7 in the morning. Come in and I'll help you. And the back windows rolled down, and it was all the girls uh, there. And Kim Kardashian says to me, says, uh, are you open now? I didn't know who they were. And I oh, said, wow. and I said <laughs> no, you still can't. But if you come on Monday, I'll oh, help Lord. you. <laughs> and lo and behold, they came back Monday. This is a true story. And we had a laugh about it. And uh, I was invited to the Calabasas um, launch. I did the dash uh, signs for them. All their, all, no, a nice. bunch of good stuff. But anyways, you know, that was my encounter with the Kardashians. <laughs> Crazy. How did you get to meet them? Um, yeah. Oh, how did uh, they were a victim? They came in. Um, down oh, they the were victims. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, they get uh, they get extorted, and you know all the time. So um, people people target them, um, try and smear them on social media, that kind of stuff. So you have yeah. to help them on the back end. Yeah. Wow. Very nice, very nice young lady. Very, very, very nice. Yeah, they were they were very nice. I mean, I I I, I gotta say the same. Uh, they were very yeah. very cool with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, Anita, listen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, this has been great. We know that you are now officially retired. Is that true? As of April 1st, yes. Awesome. Congratulations. Yes. Thank any you. Big, big plans? Um, I don't have anything lined up. I wanted to make sure I was kind of cool off for about six months. I've had a few offers. If I had my choice, I'd switch gears, turn left, and uh, coach basketball. That's what oh, I want. Wow. So, oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try and pursue that. I have a few angles, maybe just volunteer at first, but yeah, the police work, uh, I don't really want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, although, although I just want to say this, you know, the, the, with the feature film that we're doing, um, I have asked the uh, uh, Lieutenant here uh, to uh, come on board and, and, you know, we would love yeah. to have you, uh, oh yeah, that I'm looking forward to. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. Absolutely, yeah. Some of the stuff you see on TV and movies just doesn't happen like that. So. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I will make sure that uh, we are authentic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and and that's uh, you know the when when she mentioned that I was I was on board. Uh, I think yeah. making it as authentic as possible, you know, yeah. that, that will draw in a better crowd, um, and it's it's just done right. So uh, yeah. we're in development and we're going to uh, come across that point, that bridge pretty soon. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Sounds yeah. good. Well, I'm flattered to be on and Casey, you're amazing. And you just uh, say you make signs. You don't just make signs. You made artwork. So <laughs> it's beautiful stuff that you did. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to do that for you guys. I mean, that's the least I could yeah. do. Uh, yeah. I yeah. said, in fact, I have one at home now. The one, the extra one I bought in my office. So. Oh, really? Oh, that's yeah. For my sake. Yeah. Thank well, you thank so you much. very much. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for, for being. And uh, I know you gave us a lot of time. And uh, so it'll go into editing and then uh, we'll, we'll definitely uh, air it out. But thank okay. you from the bottom of our hearts yeah. for everything that you've done in your life and for serving the community and just being a really cool lady. Thank you. Well, thank you. You're very welcome. We'll see you Great soon. to meet you. Thank you. Bye, dear. You are listening to the Shot Caller podcast with Casey Diaz and Joel Needler. You can find us online at uh, Casey Diaz Author on Facebook, 
the Shot Collar Book on Instagram and on Twitter at the Shot Collar BK. That's at the Shot Collar BK. You can also find us at KCDS.net and send an email to info at KCDS.net. That's info at KCDS.net. <laughs>